Welcome to this week's Gig News, your go-to podcast covering the latest news, trends, and viral posts from the delivery and rideshare sectors of the gig economy. Now, let's turn it over to your hosts, professional gig workers Chad, the gig economist, and Hannibal is hungry. Hey, welcome to this week's Gig News with me, Chad, him, Hannibal. What's up, man? What's going on, Chad? How was your week? That was pretty good. So this, I just did three week three of my four week Instacart experiment, and it's it's kind of been uh, what do they call it law of um, less uh, like where you make less money each week. So like the first <laughs> week I made over eight hundred dollars, and then the next week. Week two, I made like six seventy or something, and then this week I made like six twenty. Um, although the last two weeks, I kind of cheated a little because I did. I had my Whole Foods blocks through Amazon Flex on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so I only worked like the morning on Instacart those Wednesday and Thursday. So maybe I'd still be at eight hundred if I was doing a hundred percent Instacart, but it's hard to turn those Whole Foods blocks down, you know. Well, obviously, <laughs> but I remember you didn't, you were not really interested in Instacart at all. So you going back, did you, is it something that you, you didn't, re, did you regret the decision? No, I'm liking it. I kind of missed it. Uh, I like the, the physical activity, you know, getting out of the car. Um, I, one thing I don't like though, is the terrible rating system. And I, I posted a screenshot on, you know, my community posts like of my ratings like i keep track of all that stuff like i don't know if gig iq is watching but i know he's a big data nerd like that so yeah yeah. um so i keep track of like how many total ratings i got and then like also my rating and out from like may until like last week i was 5.0 for like i don't know it's like 90 100 days something like that and then i got two four stars a three star and a one star which was forgiven uh, the one star was from from a customer who wasn't answering their phone, wasn't paying attention. Like half the stuff they wanted was out of stock. So I'm like, do I guess what they want or do I refund it? I had to, I had a guess on a few things and refund others. I should have just refunded everything because were you, were you shopping for me? <laughs> Pro tip: If you're a customer of Instacart, make sure someone like your significant other have the app as well in the same account so if they're mm-hmm. someone's asking a question and you know you're taking a nap that your partner can answer the questions <laughs> kyle no says i'm gonna keep my eye on the instacart app for a while see what batches are in raleigh city yeah why Gabriel not co um yeah so i mean i'm liking it but i've noticed like i mean i'll make a video once i complete the experiment I know I've noticed that like you'll go like I'll just sit on the queue for like anywhere from like five minutes to like an hour and like not a single batch will show up. Yeah. And they the, if you I, I mentioned this in my ride along video, which I dropped this morning. Um like those eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I was just setting you up right there. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't see my ride along video, watch at least the first ten seconds. I guarantee the first ten seconds will make you laugh. <laughs> Did that that like, it came out of nowhere, right? 
<laughs> well, it's interesting because you're a pro at this, right? But uh-huh. just like you say, you're getting back into the swing of things. I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> and it's like those eggs uh-huh. just flew out. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've been doing Instacart for three years, and that's the first time something like that's ever happened. I mean, every once in a while, especially like at Aldi, like you read something on top shelf and something, go- but it's, you know, yeah. not something that is going to break, you know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no crazy. Well, <clears throat> All the crazy stuff happened on my ride-along vlog from Friday, so check that out if you haven't watched it yet. Twice, I was like, all right, quick in and out. It's going to take five minutes. I ended up taking way, way longer than what I thought. And uh, I did. It's funny. Like I, I also had a, a foreshadowing. I'm like, ah, I'm not expecting anything baller. And then sure enough, a baller $46 order comes in. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> hey, John McCallion's here. What's up, ladies and gents? So are you just doing the pet sitting or are you doing DoorDash or I've been I've been doing majority of the pet sitting and uh it's getting it's getting at least this week next week is gonna probably be the first uh week where I'm not gonna have a lot of animals, so I will be outside, which mm-hmm. is perfect because I like the weather. I, I this the idea of the summer being that sweaty, humidity filled, it just it just takes all the energy out of you. But I'm a fall baby, I was born in the fall sweaters mm. i could be outside all day less people are outside so more orders should be coming in so i'm actually excited it should be pretty good it's what your video is about a second or a half second behind your audio actually it's kind of lagging on for me yeah. too which uh, let me see i don't know anything on my end is different uh yeah everything looks everything looks regular to me uh maybe it's a connection issue John McKellen says, I love the heat. I was born in March. Well, you should move to Florida then. Ugh. I know you're in LA, which is pretty warm all the time, but Florida's even hotter. So anyway, uh, there was tons and tons of news this week, but I had to whittle it down to like the top 10 stories worth talking about. And uh, we got a couple juicy stories. So let's start with Uber is being sued over its racist facial recognition algorithm. <laughs> I saw this on Vice and uh, TechCrunch, but I'm going to read the, the one from Vice. This, and this is in England, so it's not entirely, you know, I mean, it's a little off topic, sort of, but I mean, it's still Uber. UK-based Independent Workers Union announced Wednesday it is taking Uber to court over its facial recognition algorithm, with the, which it claims discriminates against people of color. The labor union's legal complaint, which was shared with Motherboard, that's Vice, specifically concerns Uber's real-time ID check, a facial recognition tool that periodically has given drivers submit selfies to the Uber app to verify their identity. The group filed a complaint on behalf of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After submitting the photograph through the app, the claimant received a message from Uber saying he failed to verify his identity and his account has been waitlisted for 24 hours. April 14th, it was informed by Uter that his account has been deactivated after the second attempt at verification. And um, let's see. I know there was someone here that said, oh, yeah. So Uber's real-time ID checks relies on Microsoft Face API facial recognition tool in its complaint. The IWGB cites a 2019 MIT study which found that Face API is five times more likely to make an error when identifying a darker-skinned person compared to a lighter-skinned person. Researchers have also found that all major facial recognition systems determine or demonstrate similar bias against people with darker skin. Uber did not respond to requests for a comment. All right. So, sorry, I had to mute you there. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. 
Hey, Hannibal is hungry, isn't they? <laughs> I, I noticed you changed your uh, avatar or whatever. I did? Oh, my picture. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I guess since I'm the resident um dark skinned person in this uh <laughs> in this <laughs> in this team, this podcast team, um, I have noticed for quite a while that there's an issue with the the recognition software. Now, suing, I guess that's a way to get them to change it. Uh, it's just this weird idea of discriminatory as if it's doing it on purpose to discourage people from not using the app or it could just be the algorithm sucks and they need to fix it. But there's times when I'm doing Ubi Eats. So way back in the day when I was doing it like heavy, when I was doing it every day. Um, if I if I start start to do my Ubi Eats and it's usually I usually do dinner time. I'm always outside at dinner time. The, the car is dark. There are times I'll have to pull over, find some light to get the app to recognize my face. Um, I assumed that that was a problem for everybody. So I never thought it was necessarily a skin tone issue, but I'm obviously the darkest skin. It's probably it's hard for the uh, the camera to or the app to recognize you. But there's times where I had to either turn on all lights in the car or literally pull over, walk into a store, walk where there's light and take a picture for it to recognize my face. So um Probably there's some the algorithm needs to be or something needs to be improved. Uh, discriminatory, it just goes to a whole different thing. But that's just that's my experience using the Uber app because you have to take a picture every couple of days, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's like a, a conscious decision on Uber's part or the programmers of the software. It's probably just more of a technical thing. You figure that these programs were probably made by either like Asian people or white people, you know, and they probably didn't have too many other people like a a diverse ethnic test group to test it. Maybe they should have. I mean, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I have no data to back this up. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a question of just get it, just fix it, improve it. Cause there is an issue probably deal with light. They're trying to make sure that the person is who they say they are. But it is something needs to be improved. I, I do agree. I wish my brother was here because he he used to drive for Uber, and he just let his beard grow out. And he said once he had like a full beard, and like the app would ask him to take a selfie, it would fail the selfie check because it can get past his beard, which is weird because I noticed my phone, the like you can unlock your phone just by showing your face, and it has no trouble. Like I can wear sunglasses and a hat, and it still knows that it's me. Or, you know, I can take my glasses off and knows it's me. So I don't know, like, so Uber needs to get with whatever the recognition is on the uh, iPhone. But that's uh, what you read. It wasn't I, It wasn't um, Apple technology. It's, well, I think it was Microsoft. Yeah. So clearly someone needs to go. Yeah. Steve that, from Rideshare Rodeo says, facial recognition is a joke. My friend Morad in London says you can request a call instead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, Microsoft needs to improve. Get the get their stuff together. I'd be I'd be curious to see if there's going to be a movement similar to this in the U.S. I, and I'm actually surprised it's coming from the U.K. first. I I didn't know. I, I thought everyone had that problem. I never thought it was something that was only for <laughs> dark skinned people. But I never thought it was such a big deal. It was like, all right, uh, it's a little annoying, but. Yeah, I think it should be a complaint. Hey, fix this because yeah. it's inconvenient to say the least. They definitely have a, a a valid grievance, especially when if you have an MIT study and 
you also have, you know, this many complainants. And then, I mean, what's Uber's, uh, what's Uber's defense going to be? Okay, well, here's a bunch of white people that we deactivated, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's going to look really bad too. So yeah, I don't think there's any way to, um, I don't know. The, uh, I think Uber is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here. And I don't, I don't see how they're going to wiggle their way out of this one. Uh, they got to they fix it, man. Yeah. All right, let's move on to something lighter about uh, was dunking on GoPuff again. Since we started the show, we've done like three or four, maybe five stories about GoPuff, and they've all been bad, and I think this <laughs> one's probably the worst. GoPuff's rampant growth created a downward spiral into chaos with fraud, unsold inventory, and warehouse managers throwing away thousands of dollars worth of food every day. This is a really long story, so I tried to um, narrow it down to just the most uh, interesting uh, paragraphs here. So when John Neal showed up to a GoPuff warehouse for his new hire orientation last summer, he noticed a pallet of perishable food outside on the loading dock. Beads of condensation appeared as the cases of milk, simply lemonade, and Ben Jerry's ice cream. As his rounds at one of the food delivery companies, busy Philadelphia warehouses went on, the food remained outside festering in the sun. Four hours later, he looked again. No one had moved the food into a refrigerated case or freezer, forcing Neil to make one of his first decisions as a warehouse shift lead. Toss it. All the food wound up in the dumpster. It was just the beginning. And he said, and it goes on like this, and they interview warehouse managers from across the country. See, it says, from California to Houston to Cleveland. Routinely tossed products that arrive from a careless or ceaseless caravan of delivery trucks. Many asked not to be identified. Yeah. The manager at one mid-sized warehouse said he discarded at least $10,000 worth of food every week, sometimes two or three times that. He told Gopuff's supply chain managers he has no space, but the product still comes. Because his freezers are full, he said, new food often goes from the delivery trunk truck directly into the dumpster. And it says, current and former employees point to a variety of causes. Some blame a GoPuff supply chain they say is incapable of ordering accurate inventory. Others say understaffed warehouses can't process all the shipments that come in or don't have space to house them. Then there's a the company's policy forbidding managers from giving excess product to employees, saying it would encourage them to steal. Theft is common anyway. And it actually goes on for quite a while, but it's kind of a a back and forth between the warehouse managers and the employees and GoPuff offer management. And I am taking the side of the warehouse managers because it's not just like one place. They're saying this is happening coast to coast. And they like there's a definite correlation here of they all have the same complaints that GoPuff upper management is not listening to their complaints like, hey, stop sending us food. You're sending us way too much food. Um, so I think GoPuff, I, I, I mean, again, like we've been doing the show for, you know, only a few months and we've had nothing but bad stories about this company from like the way they treat drivers to, I mean, to this. And I don't know. I mean, I, again, just spitballing here, but I, I do not think the future looks very good for GoPuff. Like this supply chain thing, there's, yeah, there's actually two or three stories on this. Again, link in the description below. Definitely recommend everybody check this out, especially if you work for GoPuff or considering. But, I mean, that is crazy. They're just throwing food away. Like it said, it went straight from the truck to the dumpster. Like how do you just throw food out? I mean, yeah, you can write that off as a loss or whatever, but still, like how much loss can you – you can't just write it off until, you know – like you're, you're gonna like there, there's the chickens have to come home to roost at some point here, you know. They're eventually their balance sheet is gonna be like, wow, we threw out 
tons and tons of food that we could have, you know, sold and made a profit on. Uh, that's just not. And actually, in the article, which we don't really have time to go over, but they mentioned that they were trying to work with local food pantries to try to, um, you know, give it give it away. But the it, it, like, you can't give away ice cream like perishable. Like food pantries are for like non-perishable stuff like canned beans and stuff. And uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. GoPuff, go do you know anybody that works for GoPuff or that does it? No, I would like to know because it seems like it's a problem at the top. And it's interesting you said that this business model may not outlast. I just, just saw this um, CNBC article with the CEO, Yakar Gola, says that the business model will outlast the rivals. <laughs> But if you're throwing food away, you're not being efficient. And I think a lot of these stories are probably being published for someone to say, hey, listen, the person who is running the show, who's running this stuff. And usually the problem is always goes at the CEO position or the other positions of operation, the COO, that there's something's wrong. Throwing thousands of dollars of merchandise is cannot continue, especially right now where things are more expensive. So those things are becoming more and more uh, losses, you're going to have to figure out something. So I guess the opera, the COO probably needs to go or something. Um, if they're in, if GoPuff is expecting to outlast the rivals, because I don't know if any other uh, platform is necessarily throw or losing that much money. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So there's something going wrong with operations. Yeah. I think the whole GoPuff model, it's funny because like, so in case you're not familiar, GoPuff isn't like DoorDash, Uber Eats, or, or Instacart where you just go from store to store. It's it's actually kind of like Amazon Flex where they have their own warehouse and you just and it's and it works on like a, a shift. Like you get a block from like, you know, for four hours or eight hours, and you go to the warehouse and they pack up stuff and you just give you a delivery route and you go deliver it and you come back to the warehouse and keep repeating and you're supposed to get tips and all that stuff. Um But so but when they're have these terrible logistics plannings is that, you know, throwing away food. I mean, every restaurant or, you know, grocery store, any place that sells food, any, any store in general, they're always going to be, you know, damaged items or, you know, inventory that just goes bad because nobody wants it. But, um, tens of thousands of dollars every week that, I mean, that sounds ridiculous. So I don't know. I, I think maybe GoPuffs just their whole, model might be a, a flawed from the beginning yeah they're either ordering too many things expecting something that's not going to happen or there's some mismanagement which seems like like you said all the stories we've been reading about GoPuff, it just seems like they're growing too fast it's like a lot of these companies growing too fast and they're not they don't care about efficiency it looks like it just mm-hmm. let's try to grow as fast as possible forget losing whatever's going on and a lot of the employees are complaining a lot of the managers are complaining What's going to what's going to change? I don't know. Yeah, and they're kind of in that same model of this super rapid delivery of which, are, as far as I know, are only in New York right now. Like Joker and Getter, Gorillas, um, and actually, we have another we have a story coming up later in the show that we'll get to about that. But yeah, uh, I, I think GoPuff is a good example of what not to do. Over or under five years for till GoPuff cuts calls it quits. <laughs> Probably or or get or get brought out by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem like they need someone who, like I don't know, Amazon could take it. Like someone who knows what they're doing in terms of logistics, because it seems like they don't know what they're doing right now. 
Yeah, but uh, over or under five years? Uh, definitely under. Under. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd probably go under too. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. By the way, we're we're trying a new format. Instead of doing serious, 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 then funny at the end, we're going to try to mix in. I mean, they don't have to necessarily be funny. They're just, you know, lighter, lighter stories. So, all right. This is this is a local news story, or I mean, not local to me, but it's on a local news. Uh, and also another experiment I'm doing this week. Instead of showing the website, I just copied and pasted it in a Word document because when I had all those tabs open, my computer was grinding to a halt. But just having them all in one Word document, uh, it's working pretty nice right now. All right, so should you tip delivery drivers? Yes, seriously, just do it from WRIC.com. Tipping on a takeout order was always a generous thing to do, but during the pandemic, it pretty much became the standard. How much we should tip, however, remains the subject of considerable confusion. There are times when takeout doesn't require the same amount of effort, but then there are other times when it does, says Diane Gotsman, an etiquette expert. I don't know how you get that title. Author and founder of the Protocol School of Texas. Generally, Gotsman said customers should plunk down at least a few dollars into the tip jar for smaller orders, but up to 20% for especially large or complicated orders. It's not necessarily she acknowledges... But customers these days should take into account the extra responsibilities of a server or delivery driver during the pandemic. I agree. Uh, let me see. Throughout the pandemic, not all customers have been as generous. While some surveys like this survey of consumers commissioned by Bank of America suggest that more than half Americans began tipping more as a result of the pandemic, others have found just the opposite. In November 2020, for instance, the nonprofit group One Fair Wage together with UC Berkeley released the results of a survey of workers that indicated tips were declining for most service employees, partially as a result of having to enforce COVID safety protocols to sometimes hostile guests. A follow-up report published in September 2021 suggested the problems had only gotten worse. A separate survey from creditcards.com came to roughly the same conclusion. Um, and it goes on. Again, this is a good kind of the the point of the show is to kind of go over you know like say hey here's a bunch of articles you guys should be reading unless we make this a five-hour show we're not going to read them all in depth but uh hannibal was just on udm show what was that friday night thursday night and oh yeah i think it was, this was basically actually. oh was it last night okay <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah i was watching this this morning on uh while i was eating lunch but so um and it's funny I, your topic basically started out like this but i mean and we've said this many times that we can have an entire show just trying to debate or get to the bottom of the question is why don't people tip anymore? Yeah, it's a very complicated. Uh, it's it's well talking to the UDM about it. It's very it's a nuanced kind of thing. It's not one reason why people are not necessarily going to tip or not, and it's really how we as drivers should react to that how our behavior should be basically you don't want to get into an emotional state when someone is not tipping you well but i would that interesting with the point about the the behavior of customers and diners have been decreased um in new york i'm sure you guys saw that that uh story where two women were beating up uh, on a hostess because she was she had to ask, hey, you, do you have you guys have a vaccine uh, card? Because that's the only way you get in. You need to show proof of vaccination and how uh, diners are reacting to that. So it, it's, it's just so many things that's going on in terms of why someone decides to tip or what, sh- you know, what you should do or should not do. But I don't know. I feel like our, our social cohesion is falling apart. So mm-hmm. the idea of someone giving you extra money to do something, they may not even do that for many reasons. Yeah. 
I, I, I think the whole COVID has a lot to do with it because I noticed before COVID, um, tips were pretty good for the most part. I mean, there was always plenty of cheapskate customers, but I've, I've been archiving my original first season or whatever, my first, my interviews like with Bentley Coop and UDM and how much and Dustin from like early pre-COVID 2020. And I'm listening to them and I'm saying, oh man, my DoorDash acceptance rate is dropped to like 70%. And like now it's like 20 or something. And I know, I mean, I can't speak to their apps, but I know like Instacart, they now accept food stamps or snap or whatever it's called. EBT, right? Or yeah, it's a different thing for you guys. So people who live in low income neighborhoods are ordering Instacart shipped corner shop or, you know, just groceries through probably Uber Eats and DoorDash if they take it. Um, and obviously, they don't have a lot of money, so they're not tipping. Or maybe they'll tip a few bucks at the door, but I mean, you have to take the order first. And so, but I mean, you can't buy McDonald's or Red Lobster with Snap or EBT or whatever. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird because like people who live in these low income neighborhoods, and it's not just low income. Sorry, to, sorry, I'm not trying to like dunk on low income people. Hmm. Um, but it, it like even middle class people, you know, regular suburban uh, neighborhoods that I deliver to, I've noticed like, you know, tipping has definitely gone down. Um, We've seen all those screenshots, especially on Instacart of like these gigantic orders. Like UDM have one today uh, that he was talking about, I think on your show. And it was like 121 items on Instacart with no tip. And it was paying like $10 and change. But because the mileage is only like a mile or something, I'm just like, I want to like shake these customers, you know, grab them by the collar. Like, what are you thinking? It's also maybe that, you know, I'm sure it varies from case to case, you know? Yeah. But, and some of these customers, I'm sure they're, especially if they're new, especially if they're boomers, you know, they're used to tipping in cash at the door, you know, for years when I was a kid growing up, we order pizza, you know, maybe once a month and you would have to pay cash to the driver when they delivered it. And you would give them a cash tip. And, you know, boomers and Gen Xers to a, a lesser degree probably saw that mentality. I'm like, I'm just going to tip them cash when they get here. And it's like, no, you gotta, well, you can do that. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that you're going to do that. And I need to, I need to get, I can't, it, this isn't the kind of job where you can gamble. That's the problem. Like with DoorDash and the way Postmates used to work, every order, if you don't know what the payout is up front, every order is a gamble. And I'm not a gambler. <laughs> yeah, because you have, you you have a time you don't you don't have all the time in the world to make the money during the day. Like you have to make sure that you're making the best decisions. So yeah, it, it's getting worse. And I don't I don't know if it's going to get any better. Uh, we're kind of waiting on someone to help us out in terms of you know going back what I was talking about yesterday. Who are you more upset with, the customer or the, the company that you're representing? Who you know? And, and, and personally, as long as someone pays me the money. I don't care where it comes from. I really don't. I understand some people get really upset, but if I see a good tip, you know, a good amount on an order, in even if it's no tip on it, I'm going to take it and deliver it. I'm not going to lose my, you know, lose my mind over it. But like you said before, Instacart shoppers, that's a. I can see why people are so upset. Like you're really putting a lot of effort to shop for these items, and and I know why they're not tipping. It's they they don't want to spend too much money. They already spent because you know the items are more expensive now. They already spent hundred, two hundred dollars. They don't want to put that extra twenty percent on two. They don't want to do it. Yeah, they should do it, but they don't want to do it. I, my my counter to that ar- argument would be, 
you're already spending $200, $300 on groceries anyway. What's another 20 or 30 on the tip? You know? Yeah. You're already yeah. spending that much money anyway. Just throw out a few more bucks for a tip, like, or 10%. $10 or 10%, whichever is higher. You should, yeah. With Instacart, you should really never tip less than $10 unless um, you're some. It, if you ever come to Orlando, I'll show you this place. Actually, it's well, not, well, you can barely see, but. Um, <laughs> so there's this brand new. It looks like it's a brand new neighborhood they built, like in the middle of the suburbs and closer to downtown, not not where I live. It's called Baldwin Park, and it's just this super yuppie neighborhood, and it looks like Greenwich Village or something, or it looks oh, like, okay. you know, just all these, and and that's a lot in Orlando is all these neighborhoods that they're built to look like they're it's like some kind of old, um, like old city. Like there's this whole like right here in Sanford. There's a gated community that it's it's meant to look like Tuscany or something, or like somewhere in Europe. Okay, and it's but it's all brand new. Interesting. And I hate delivering there because there's you have to go up steps, and almost every time I deliver there, it's never a light order. It's always people want bottled water, and you know, and I have to I have my wagon, but then I have to carry everything <laughs> because I can't go up the steps, you know. I always try to call the customers and be like, hey, can I go through your garage door? But anyway, I'm getting off topic. But um, uh, so, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, got, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it, I can see why a lot of Instacart, like I said, going back to the, the, the shoppers, I can see why they're like, this is bull and I, we need to do something. But don't like that's going to work. But I can see why you'd be really offended by looking at that order where, like, you know, McDonald's a no tip McDonald's order is not that big of a deal or not that big of yeah. a deal but not surprising like okay it's McDonald's you don't normally tip at McDonald's when you order it but uh the shopping thing is the next level man oh yeah something I was gonna uh say like like you were just saying like I don't care who pays me I I kind of agree with that up to a point especially and I've said this in my Instacart like I always say don't take a, a batch without an upfront tip unless the Instacart pay alone is worth it which it almost never is so yeah. Yeah. although instacart has this new thing now called shop only orders because they fired all the in-store shoppers and now you just have us do it and they they use they're very low paying they're only like between like seven and ten or eleven dollars although i will say like at first i was just like i'm not doing those and i've done a bunch of them and in fact it, again plugging my uh day in life video or ride long vlog i did a one i did one of them in the video and i showed how it works and you can knock out uh, a shop only order in like 10 15 minutes so it's a quick way to make like 10 bucks it's like the equivalent of 30 or 40 dollars an hour if you boil it down to the dollar per minute ratio but um yeah so uh anyway i'm getting tongue-tied i'm thirsty we gotta take our first break uh and can you guess what it's for (laughs) (laughs) we know we know is he still in the house he's still there he is all right, we will be right back in 30 seconds. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The Driver's Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All 
And we are back. And I needed that 30 seconds to grab some water in my my Mets cup that I've had for probably 15 years. Nice. Are they still in it? No. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're terrible. Like the Yankees. Yeah. All New York teams are god-awful right now. Actually, let Aren't me check. They, uh, the, the, the Giants win? I think they lost, too. No, they got blown out by the Cowboys. It was like 44-17 uh, or something. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. In case anybody doesn't know, I'm originally from upstate New York, and I, I've always been a Mets fan since I was a kid. I, it's why I never liked the Yankees. Mm. Um, and Hannibal is in Brooklyn. Yep, yep, just suffering, man. Well, you know, the Brooklyn Nets going to be, be decent at least. Gary said, am I still in the house? I try not to miss the stream. He's the best. By the way, Pedro said, I need to uh, deliver that shirt. Yeah, Why do you sign a- up with deliver that? Oh. Yeah, this is this is a <laughs> catering company that I occasionally do orders for. It's actually this really soft, like, poly cotton blend. You know, it, kind of, it feels like a- pajamas or something. Okay, so this is probably off topic, but real quick, of all, I'm sure you have a few of those shirts, right? I'm sure you have shipped and all. The, what's the best looking shirt of all of the? This is the only. This is the only branded shirt that I have of any of the gig. They don't. They don't. They never sh- sent me any. One? I'm not in with shipped. I'm still on the waiting oh, list. Oh, okay. Oh, I have shipped. I like that. You shirt. can go on the merch store and buy them, but like I, no, nah, I get. It I, I would never wear them. I just wear my, my standard, um, you know, collared white. Golf shirt or polo shirt, whatever. Uh, okay. you know, I have a bunch of them. All right, so let's get back to the, speaking of Instacart. So there was um, three or four stories about Fiji Simo on Fortune.com this week, and they kind of boiled them all down into one story uh, called Will Instacart be an Amazon or a Groupon? So Fortune unveiled its annual Most Powerful Women's List on Monday with former Facebook executive and Instacart CEO Fiji Simo among the ones to watch. Among the titling of that list could not be more on the nose, leaving controversy merled. Facebook earlier this year, Simo jumped into a company facing its own fires as a return of a more in-person economy. Raises questions about if grocery delivery Deca, Decacorn Instacart can maintain the $39 billion it won in the heat of the pandemic. The, found, the fact that founder Apoorva Meta was quite pitching, I think it, they mean quiet pitching DoorDash over an Acquisition of the company around the summer, only fan concerns about the company's eventual fate. So they took a deep dive into Simo, and what the future of Instacart under her leadership may look like. It's a feature, uh, unafraid to question the status quo, an admiral char- characteristic certainly. But the biggest concern the story raises is not about Simo's leadership acumen, but demand for Instacart services outside of the pandemic. Here's another excerpt from the article quoting Forrester, e-commerce analyst Sue Chart. Rita Kodali, Instacart and its competitors all think that they're going to be the next Amazon, but really they're all positioned to be the next Groupon. And well, we know what happened with to Groupon. Once valued at $30 billion, it's now a $691 million business on the NASDAQ. Even if you disagree, it is true that Instacart is facing plenty of competition aside from Amazon and Uber. There are even startups that see Instacart's model acting as a middleman between grocery stores and and consumers in need of delivery as outdated and inefficient in New York City. Companies including Joker, Fridge No More, GoPuff, and Gorillas have all raised millions to varying, varying degrees, arguing that they can cut costs compared not only to delivery upstarts, but also supermarkets because they, A, operate smaller dark fulfillment centers rather, rather than sprawling stores, and B, have better tech to predict demand, thereby reducing food waste and perhaps better 
routing software that allows drivers to make the same. Well, it says uh, reducing food waste. Well, as we saw in the GoPuff story, that's not that's not the case. No, not at so, all. So um, again, I recommend checking out. There's a bunch of them. Uh, but if you if you link to that, uh, read that article. Unfortunately, it has links to all the other articles. So, uh, by the way, Fiji Simo is starting a women's, uh, or she, actually, she already started a women's health. It's kind of like a health insurance or health uh, group policy thing. Cool um, on the West Coast. So, yeah. So, what do you think? Is Amazon the next Groupon, or sorry, is Instacart the next Amazon or the next Groupon or somewhere in between? You know, you know, I am a I am a fan of. Uh, the customer using Instacart. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is pretty good system. It, it, I mean, as a customer, it works well for me. I'm not a shopper and that's a different side of the, the coin. I, I don't know, to be honest, uh, if, if they were trying to get shopped earlier, they were trying to find a buyer Then I don't see how that changes because this new CEO is going to come in. She may come in. Uh, she's already there. Uh, Fiji, Fiji Simo and see all the issues that the other CEO experience realize that hey the competition is, is very aggressive amazon has tons of money it's hard to compete you still you got walmart you got all these and then you got this small little little gang of oh, we're gonna get your food we're gonna get your groceries in 10 seconds that group and and how strong the instacart shoppers in terms of the, that workforce right how strong they're very you know they're trying to make uh, strikes and whatnot uh so it's possible, like going back to the question, uh, over and under five years, is it possible that Instacart gets brought out by another company? I'm I'm willing to say uh, underneath five years. I think I think I think that it's going to probably happen. Yeah, and like they mentioned that you know they shopped it, they talked with DoorDash about a merger or buyout or something. So yeah, it's possible. Um, and it's kind of on an unrelated note, or, or like I said, it's related, but. The I've I've been on I don't know if Twitter is the best um, petri dish for this or whatever or the best you know way to gauge it but uh, people are dunking on Fiji already being like this lady has no leadership experience she doesn't know what the hell she's doing they're like ever since she took over my wages have plummeted I'm like I don't know it's kind of correlation not causation because your wages were already plummeting although for me. I've I've actually been doing pretty well. I mean, not great, but you know, definitely, definitely the best I've done uh, statistically since a long time. But uh, well, when I make a video about this in a week or two, you'll see. But so no. I am I'm kind of on a wait and see. Uh, I'm not trying to come to a conclusion already about Fiji. I am kind mm. of skeptical because if she doesn't have any leadership experience. You know, like, um, I don't know if this is a good example, but a, a friend of mine who's like, you know, hardcore um, political, not insider, not pundit, but just, you know, like he takes it really seriously. He yeah. takes voting seriously, I should say. <laughs> and when it comes to like presidential elections, he's not a fan of like, because usually people who run for president are either senators or governors. <laughs> he's like, I don't care about senators. I want governors because they have executive experience, you know. But senators, just because you know you have an elite position, you, you've never like had to manage an entire state. You don't have people underneath you. You're just representing. So it's kind of like that. Of you know, Fiji was more like a senator who went to president. You know, whereas you know, if you if you're in a former CEO position and then you go to another CEO, 
um, say what you want about Dara from Uber. He was a CEO before he went to Uber. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you would want someone that has significant experience running a multi-billion dollar company, unless you're looking to shop the company and maybe she's looking to do that. Like we really don't know exactly what her intentions right now. She's just saying all the right things, all the nice things. And clearly nothing has changed. Um, The bots are still there. Um, The, the, the batches are getting even more and more uh, terrible. So, you know, what exactly is happening behind closed doors? We will, we will know eventually. Yeah. And I don't think that it's, she's going to like make changes like overnight you know, like start like firing half the staff or whatever. And I don't think she comes from a technical, like, yeah, she worked for Facebook, but you know, does she, can she read, you know, uh, Python or Python's a programming language in case people don't know. Um, you know, does she know how to code? Does she know, you know, uh, cybersecurity, how to stop the bots? Yeah. It's not really her job. I mean, it's not her job. It's more about, yeah, no. it's more about putting the right people in place to take care of that, which Instacart should have done a year and a half ago. And well, that's kind of like this new thing is um, how I have to log in with my phone number in the middle of a damn batch, which I assume is some kind of counter thing to the bots, maybe. But yeah, yeah. Actually, I think the the bots, and I made a video about this over a year ago. I think the bots is kind of an overblown threat. It's just that it's not like they're just. They're they're not just stealing money. Like they're actually they're getting the batches and working them and getting paid. So it's just logistically, physically impossible for like this tiny, tiny minority of people that are using these auto acceptors or bot programs to actually because the work still has to get done. So it's that's a good point. That's a good point. I I I thought I thought about this actually today. Why why would Instacart take a lot of time to figure out the bat um the bot thing when like you said, it's not it's, it's difference between DoorDash and the Power app because it, it was losing money because people were were waiting for the only the good offers, right? But the Instacart, the best offers are getting taken and being done. So why would Instacart care about doing anything about the bots? It's not yeah. causing them to lose any money. Well, a lot of those the people that use them, you know, they're not Americans. They don't speak English. They don't give good customer service, and I think a lot of that. I think, and it's not just Instacart, it's like all the apps. We've all noticed that everything's been slowing down lately. Mm. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that these companies will, except for like Shipt, will pretty much hire anybody with a pulse. And <laughs> they don't do much in the way of training, especially not customer service training, more about like how to actually do the job. Um, so, I mean, just so a lot of customers have been getting terrible service. So they stopped using these apps. You know, they're shopping for themselves or, going to the restaurant, pick it up themselves now. And, you know, plus the new startups and things like that. So, um, anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's, let's talk about something that's a little more local to you. Striking a balance, what New York's new legislation for delivery work means for gig workers everywhere. This is from benefitsnews.com. <laughs> um, new York City Council recently passed a six-bill Legislative package focused on providing protection to the city's food delivery workers. The bills, which have already been sent along to Mayor Bill de Blasio, will amend the administrative code of New York City and will target questions relating to the treatment of gig workers, including payment policies, bathroom access, and distance and route limits. While the New York City 
Bill is well-intentioned. It faces an uphill battle and can actually harm workers in the long term. According to Matt Spoke, founder and CEO of Moose Financial, a social finance product for gig workers, I think legislators have been eager to find solutions, which is positive, but I think they also fail to understand some of the nuances of the gig economy, and so often the solutions are a little bit like square hole round peg. It doesn't perfectly fit. Under new legislation, the New York City Department of Consumer and Worker Protection will be tasked with conducting a study to determine how much delivery workers should be paid for their work. It would also prohibit food delivery services from charging their worker fees related to customer payment methods and require that food delivery workers be paid at least weekly. Um, it goes on a little, but I think we got the uh, the gist of it. Um, this uh, I just want to read this last paragraph here. With more and more people turning to gig work as a means of, to escape burnout or simply to make some side cash in the wake of the pandemic, Spoke anticipates other states with major cities like Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Illinois taking the same approach, but he hopes the bill is proposed in New York, which he predicts will receive some healthy pushback, and the bill of California, which was overturned several times before passing, serve as a framework and a cautionary tale. And it's interesting that he mentions Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Illinois in California. And what do all these states have in common? yes they're all blue states they're all blue areas where i think more regulation is going to happen so um it's really important for everyone even regardless of where you live to make sure you have your you know your backup plans because you know a lot of you know the lawmakers politicians are well-intentioned the problem is it doesn't matter because when you are well-intentioned, you create a situation where if restaurants are have to cut staff and have to raise prices, that doesn't help the consumer, doesn't help the driver. So basic stuff, like they're able to use the bathroom. Like it, it, it still blows my mind. And, is, and anyone else that's not from New York don't get it. Like, yes, you can walk into a restaurant and ask to use the bathroom and they would either give you the, you don't have, the bathroom's not working or only customers like they would not allow you to the bathroom like you it's sad that you have to make a law about that but um the other things where i think eventually i think new york is going to get something similar to what happened in california i just feel like this is going to happen with some kind of guaranteed whatever whatever and again it's going to be that weird thing between are you trying to make us all employees mm-hmm. um, i just think that it's going to bound to happen especially in the big big major blue states yeah and, you know, I, I'm no fan of government reg- regulation and all that stuff. Although, I kind of um, chuckle a little when I see them doing stuff that I want, you know, like, you know, the uh, I think it was the California bill where they said they can't hide the full payout anymore. I'll be curious to see how DoorDash reacts to that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of these these laws are set in stone or when they, they probably don't take effect till January. So we'll probably come back to that next year, but um, I've just kind of always said, you know, well, I mean, the the market will regulate itself, but also the government will too. So if these companies aren't going to do for you know what gig workers like us or even like the NGO groups like Gig Worker Collective, as much as I think they are a bunch of crybabies, um, they're going to cry to the government and they're eventually going to get their way. If enough of them, you know, say what, say what you want about them, you know, at least they have resilience and they're going to complain to the right people to get what they want. Yeah. And so it's like these companies should listen. It's like, hey, if you don't, you can, either you can meet them halfway or they're just going to go to the government and to get what they want. So, 
you can either, you know, make changes now or make changes a few years down the road. And maybe that, maybe there's just like the executives at these companies are just like, well, you know, I guess they have like, maybe they have such high turnover. Like every, is every executive just like, well, I'm just going to be here for a few years and then move on. So that's, that's the next CEO's problem. That's not my problem. Or we're going to get bought out by DoorDash or Amazon or something. And that's, that's going to be Jeff Bezos problem or Tony Shoes problem or whatever. It's not going to be my problem. That's that's probably a way of looking at it. Like, hey, let's just try to make, let's try to get as much money as possible. Let's try to get the profits. As, let's push it as far as possible. We know eventually regulation is going to happen. It may be inevitable. Like, in my opinion, I think regulation is, is inevitable. They're going to have to do more, or at least the politicians. Politicians want to feel like they're doing something. You know, the idea of the free market is a, is a concept to many politicians that they don't they understand, don't care about. It's like, I want to make action now. So they're going to probably put more regulations on these companies. So I think maybe they just run out the clock and say, let's try to get as much money as possible before, you know, the, the, the inevitable uh, starts. All right. Well, we got, if one legal story isn't enough, we got another one here. This one's. It sounds boring, folks, but stick with us. This is actually really important. This is about taxes. Uh, it's from the Seattle Times, how gig workers can avoid big tax surprises. So in case you don't know, uh, the government, the federal government made changes to the way 1099s work, and it's going to take place this year or next tax season or whatever. So this article, it gives it a quick overview of it, and let me give a quick overview of the quick overview. Next year, many gig workers may be shocked as tougher tax reporting standards go into place that greatly expand how many 1099Ks are issued to those earning extra money in the gig economy. What's happened is that the IRS will focus on a W-2 economy and create a system that matched W-2s and 1099s and never totally focus on a cash-based gig economy such as we are moving toward now, said Richard Davidson, chair of the Taxation and Business Law Department at Walsh College. So they are playing catch-up, trying to figure out how to raise compliance. Matching payments from payors is the best strategy. The tax change is part of the American Rescue Act signed into law by Joe Biden on March 11th. Under current income tax rules, if a person is paid electronically by credit card, debit card, or third party, such as PayPal, those payment networks must issue a 1099-K when the taxpayer is paid at least $20,000 or more and has made more than 200 such transactions. But that threshold lowers in 2022. If you make at least $600, that's going to trigger a 1099-K. According to IRS tax gap studies, it's estimated that 63% of income is misreported when third parties do not provide information to the IRS, such as with a 1099-K, according to a 2019 report on the gig economy by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Yay! So is anybody, if you're still awake after all that, <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually, I don't know if Steve is still in the chat, but he did a podcast with uh, Ron from Entree Courier uh, about this. Uh, so check out uh, the Rideshare Rodeo podcast. And he said he's going to do a more in depth episode in a week or two as like a bonus episode. So, you know, as boring and as tedious as taxes are, it's it's something you got to really pay attention to. I mean, they, you, I bet you people like like, like us, who do, you know, like I have like 15 apps on my phone and there's like apps that you probably, you work for in January or February and then you forget about them. You delete it off your phone and you're just be like, I'm not going to have to pay taxes on that. And yeah, you're going to get a 1099 in January or February. Um, yep. So I hope you're setting aside taxes. Do yeah. you, uh, do you see, I don't know how most people set aside like their taxes. Like I keep really meticulous records of like all my expenses, my mileage and everything. 
And I have a, a tax guy that's really, really good at writing everything off, stuff I had never even thought of. But if you're doing your taxes yourself, if you're a 1099, um, I highly recommend actually biting the bullet and paying money for a good tax preparer. It could be, yeah. you know, yeah. um, this, it or This would be CPA. my first year that I'm going to pay someone uh, because it's my first year of full gig work from like one, you know, full year. So um, talk is awesome that you mentioned that because talking to Tanner as well, he's like, listen, it may cost some money, pay someone to do this because you will be taken care of at the end. You're not going to be burdened mm-hmm. with a lot of nonsense. So yeah, definitely a good idea to put, put the money aside and pay someone to do these, you know, this tax code is ridiculous. How many lines also, is the tax code? You know what I mean? Like yeah. how big is it? You know, like, it's crazy. It's also, I think there's some liability there too. It's like, cause if they screw up, it's not like like they they're the ones that should be held responsible if they screw up your tax forms, you know. I mean, they're just. I'm not saying like just all out just cheat on your taxes or whatever, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, there's people get a decimal in the wrong spot or forget to carry the one or something. These things happen. Um, I'm sure. I, I I think if you make little mistakes, like you know, I, I don't know, like the IRS isn't just gonna show up at your house and throw you in jail, like. They're going to try to work with you because they'd much rather have you working and get get their money. Because when you're in jail, you're not making any money, you know. True. So, um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. So uh, check that out. Link in the description below. And there's a bunch of you just Google new 1099 tax whatever for 2022. Um, that should come up. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to a much lighter and more fun. Subject, you can now get Uber Eats delivered by the Batmobile, or at least in the UK. Your late-night KFC order may soon be delivered to your door via Batmobile. Uber Eats announced last week that it was offering special deliveries made by Retro Cars in celebration of KFC's new Zinger popcorn bucket for a limited time. Customers in London, yes, London, England, um, who order the new meal deal on the Uber Eats app by October 4th may receive a visit from the Batmobile, the Ghostbusters Ecto-1, or James Bond's Aston Martin DB5, considered by Brits to be the ultimate movie car. The food delivery service surveyed a representative sample of 2,000 UK adults last month to uncover the greatest cars to feature in films with the Aston Martin DB5 taking the top spot, followed by the 1981 DeLorean DMC-12 from the Back to Future trilogy, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, among other classic cars. Um, This was actually in... uh, This is actually kind of old news because I think October 4th was last day. I was Googling... I was trying to find somebody. Remember, like a few months ago, you could get uh, DoorDash delivered by the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Yes, I you know? remember that. I remember that story. <laughs> I've been trying to find you know people on Twitter or Instagram where they're actually showing themselves getting a delivery from from these. But, cars, I, but... I'd rather I'd rather be in the car for rideshare rather than get my food delivered because I'm assuming some people may get a contactless delivery and have no idea there's a Batmobile outside waiting (laughs) to, you know, bring it. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, I ride share definitely because I would love to be in a Batmobile or a DeLorean. Like secretly, I, if I make some kind of money in my life and, and have uh, some expendable income, I will buy a DeLorean. I will buy one of those old, I I see. I I I saw a DeLorean yesterday or two days ago. I'm, uh, I know the dash cam car. footage. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, the DeLorean without the 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 exhaust thing on the back, like from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like a very different car, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I I would probably 
I would want the the Back to the Future or the Batmobile, and it depends which Batmobile because there's like twenty of them. Like in the in the original article, they showed the one from the Val Kilmer Batman. Like that Batmobile is really ugly, yeah, but I still like. I the want like the Adam Hunt. West Batmobile. That's that's nice. I like the I like the Michael Keaton one. Um, I'm yeah. not a big fan of. The, I love the Dark Knight stuff, but that was just like a big tank looking thing with yeah. a tumbler. Like, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's what we didn't have a top five for this week. So maybe our top five should have been top five Batmobiles, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because like, I've been reading the comics for years, and like it's where the artist is, they always draw it differently. And it looks totally different and changes from era to era. And if you read those Golden Age Batman's from the thir- from the forties, he didn't have a Batmobile; it's just a regular car. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and there's I don't know if you ever seen you can you can watch them for free on YouTube. Is the the Batman serials from like 1941 and 1943 or something. Right. Um, the kid who played Robin, he was like 12 or 13 and he was driving the car. And again, it wasn't a Batmobile. It was just a regular car. It's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. So check out the, uh, the Batman serials. You can watch them for free on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Speaking of cars, let's, uh, and if you are a rideshare driver, um, here's a, a product you might want to check out. Meet Joe. He's a rideshare driver that drives for Uber and Lyft. Joe currently uses multiple phones to efficiently drive for Uber and Lyft. But this can be a pain at times and very unsafe. That was until Joe found Maximo, the rideshare app that automates Uber and Lyft ride requests. Maximo will use the filters set by Joe, like time, distance, and passenger rating, to determine which rides are best suited for Joe. When a ride request comes in, Joe doesn't need to worry. Maximo will automatically accept the ride request that matches his filters, and then turn off the app that isn't currently on a ride. Once Joe finishes the ride, Maximo will turn everything back on. This will allow Joe to focus more on his passengers and driving safe. Yeah, so check out Maximo and Driver's Utility Helper. Both are from Gary Middleton, Middleton Technologies. The only downside is they are only for Android. But Get an Android phone. Yeah, get a cheap Android on Craigslist or Facebook or something, and uh, you can. If you don't want to do a separate line, you can just use your iPhone as a a Wi-Fi hotspot and just run your Android off that. So, mm. all right, so let's keep pressing on with the news here. We're gonna talk about dangers that delivery drivers face. This is from JDSupra.com. It's like a legal uh, website. All so. Right. It, it was a long article, but I just uh, de- narrowed it down to the bullet points, and they have a, a graph or pictograph or whatever infographic for each bullet point. So it says gig workers accounted for nearly 40% of the U.S. workforce in 2020. Gig work is here to stay. More than one in 10 workers rely on gig work for their primary source of income. 24% of all gig workers are in transportation or warehousing. Uh, Uber crash-related deaths over two years show just how dangerous it is to be a driver. This is kind of misleading, though. So it says Uber crash-related deaths over two years, and it's from... In 2017, there was, like, 45 deaths, and then in 2018, it was, like, 59 or something. I mean, considering how many Uber rides there are in a year, and, like, only, quote-unquote only, you know, 60 people or less died, that's... I don't think it's really that big of a deal. 
Auto accidents aren't your only risk. USPS dog bite data illustrates the danger of <laughs> delivery work. Over 5,800 uh, dog bites for uh, you know uh, mail mail carriers in uh, 2020. Wednesday is I, I, I don't that's not a, a gig job. That's just being in. Well, actually, we'll come back to that. Uh, Wednesday is the most dangerous day of the week to make deliveries, um, and. Monday is a close second, and it's interesting. Sunday is like next to nothing. The weekends are next to nothing. I guess there's less traffic on the road, but I never would have thought of all the weekdays. I figured it would either be Monday or Friday. I didn't, you know, never would have thought Wednesday. The danger increases when the pressure increases. Amazon DSP drivers have nearly three times more lost time due to injuries than UPS drivers. So they're at 7.9 compared to 2.7 for UPS. That was in 2020. Nearly 20% of workplace fatalities are delivery drivers. 1,005 workplace facilities are delivery drivers transporting goods compared to, you know, so that's a little less than 20%. Delivery drivers are 1.8 times more likely to die in the job than police officers. Wow. So... (laughs) This I don't know what year this was, but um, so 162 delivery drivers versus 86 police officers. I sort of believe it because every day when I go through my Google News, it like there and I have a, a search for just the word delivery driver or the term delivery driver, and every day it always says delivery driver robbed, delivery driver stabbed, delivery driver shot, or Uber driver robbed, shot, kidnapped. Well, not kidnapped, but all right. So that is the end of that story. With the, I kind of wanted to talk about the dog bite one. <laughs> I know why. I know why you want to talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I got I got nipped by a dog, but that was just me just walking around the neighborhood. But oh, yeah. um, I I you know we do whenever I never realized how many people had dogs as pets, and so I started becoming a delivery driver. And I would say it's like over half. It might even be like two thirds of people I deliver to have dogs, maybe even more. We love and dogs. Kind of, yeah, and it kind of cracks me up. So I'm just like, I like people who have dogs. They seem to seem to forget that they have dogs until you ring that doorbell, and like they're always trying to like hold their dog back. I'm like, put the dog in the backyard or bathroom or bedroom. You know, you know we're coming. You know, it's not a surprise. Um, but I remember once I was. This is only like a month or two ago. I was doing an Amazon delivery, and there was like a dog behind like a the front door. It was like a screen door or glass door or whatever and it wasn't closed all the way and i'm like putting the package on the ground and i can see the dogs pushing on the door and it was a big dog it was probably like a like a boxer or um not a pit bull but it, you know a pretty big dog and mm. he pushes on the door and he starts jumping up on me he's not biting but he's just jumping on me and barking and then the lady comes out and she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i thought you were my husband i thought he was ha- i thought he was happy to see you know Paul or whatever his name was, and that's like the only no. That's the only time a dog's ever actually a, well, attacked, for la- lack of a better word. But I remember once he, he just jumped on you. Dog jumped on yeah. you. Actually, I think it was when I was doing my twenty-four hour. Um, when I was doing my twenty-four hour challenge a few months ago, I started out by doing Amazon at like three thirty in the morning or whatever, and like I'm delivering to the suburbs, and like it's just totally dark, and I'm. I'm going to make make a delivery, and I hear like a, and at first, like you know, it's totally dark, and I can't see what it is, or hear, wow. I, I couldn't even tell what it was, 
And I had to think about it. I was like, oh, shit, it's a dog growl. And I'm like, oh, shit. I left my pepper spray in the car. So I dropped the – and I can hear like a chain. And so I dropped the, the package, take the picture, and I start backing up. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, it starts, and I start running towards – get back into my car. But then the choke chain catches it. Just, it was like a movie. It just jumped out of the, the dark, you know? <laughs> so have you ever had a uh, a dog – I know. Well, I know you've worked with dogs, so I'm sure you've. Yeah, had dogs, I, 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 you know, we around so many dogs or anything like that. We just around so many dogs. It, it nothing ever like. I never had a problem dog biting me or anything like that, or any situation like that. But you see, like a dog will run past the door when you when the owner opens the door, and I would just say that most dog owners don't know what they're doing, just like most anyone don't know what they're doing. Um, in my house, I have always have multiple dogs, so I have a doggy gate. So if the UPS man is ringing a bell or food delivery, dogs are barking. They're acting like crazy people. But I have a doggy gate. They can't get past the doggy gate. So I can open the door, even though some of the delivery guys, they just put the bat, the box and run away because they're all scared of dogs. But people can make certain, they can put in certain uh, positions where they're not bothering the person that's coming through the door or not. It depends on who, do they care? Uh, and going back to the safety uh, situation, with us delivery drivers, we're out on the road more than usual than the average person. We're in the field more than the average person. So there's certain things that may happen, but you could sh- only, you only could do is be prepared to handle and, uh, you know, certain situations, learn, you know, make sure you're driving properly. You're not in a rush. You're not emotional. You're not angry. Um, you don't put yourself in bad neighborhoods. Like we don't talk a lot about the safety stuff. In the gig community, it's all about just making money as much as possible. So there are channels that I think like Roy will be Roy, for instance, but he kind of discussed like this may happen. So just prepare yourself, like make sure you're looking around when you're getting out of your car. Make sure you're keeping your car doors locked. You're not leaving the car running. There's certain things we can do to and also certain times of day not to deliver. Like I know a lot of people don't deliver at night. So we can all use more precaution when we're out here doing it. It's not as easy as it seems in terms of especially crime is high and every city in America at this point or higher as I should say. Yeah. And like I said, when I'm doing the Google searches, there's, there's so many stories I don't, we don't cover cause it's just, I hate to say it, it's kind of run the mill old news of just Lyft driver carjacked DoorDash driver shot mug stabbed, whatever. Um, we, we remember like a week or two ago that there, there was a story about, a DoorDash driver that said he was carjacked twice and like he shot a gun. I think it was actually in New York or something, but like we yeah. didn't we didn't talk about it because we we're just like, well, there's something really special about it. So like, it's, it's like local happening. news crime yeah. at this yeah. point where and and it's gonna and people are getting the criminals, people who are committing crimes are becoming more desperate and they're willing to do these kinds of like carjacking or robbing. Mm-hmm. I, back in the day, you know, the pizza delivery person would get robbed, or the pizza or the Chinese uh, food delivery person would get robbed because. Back before these apps, they assume everyone had cash because you needed cash to make change. But if you're robbing an Uber driver and everything is almost cashless, it's like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. desperation. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if you've had any, uh, you know, ever been mugged, car, you know, any, any dangerous situations that you've been in. But um, I mean, I think it's also a matter of just statistics, just the more you're out on the road. The more likely you are actually just to get into a car crash. I mean, I've been in two in the last mm. three years. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. They're just fender benders. You know, nobody was totaled, nobody, no injuries or anything. But, you know, just the more you're driving, just the statistics are going to catch up with you at some point. So, yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, so this is from, again, this is two from vice.com one week. What's the point of 15 minute grocery delivery? Now, I know from the headline it sounds sarcastic, but they're actually answering the question. This is what the point is. Uh, this was a, a, a very, very long article, and I had to boil it down to, you know, like probably a thousand. I'm just, anyway. So a number of VC, venture capital backed startups, promise to provide ultra fast grocery delivery without raising prices or hurting workers. Whether it's possible or Lake City's better is still for debate. Ralph Wenzel seems to hate grocery shopping. He said it used to take him an hour longer to go to the grocery store across the street from his apartment in Tribeca. That's in New York City. To help others like him who despise grocery shopping but need their oat milk immediately, Wenzel this mm-hmm. year founded Joker, a grocery and delivery platform that promises to deliver groceries in 15 minutes or less without any markup or extra fees. A promise that Wenzel says Joker keeps consistently in his Manhattan neighborhood. Um... Experts wonder if innovation could allow a company to turn a healthy profit by delivering food in minutes for no additional cost without making life miserable for workers. But the question of what success would mean is almost as profound. What would a city filled with rapid delivery grocery startups look like? And for all the costs, what will we really have gained? These companies operate only in dense urban neighborhoods where a grocery store is rarely more than a 10-minute walk away. The advertisements for companies like Joker, plastered all over Manhattan, boast of a convenience that borders on the ridiculous. They speak to the dreams of a certain kind of urban dweller who wishes to live amid a cornucopia of instant gratification where anything from a bunch of bananas to a can of soda to a carton of oat milk can be quickly delivered by an anonymous low-wage worker <laughs> with a push of a button and every spontaneous public interaction is an inefficiently inefficiency to be solved. So uh, this is actually a really good article. It goes... It goes on for quite a while, and I thought this would be right up Hannibal's alley because, I mean, you're not in Manhattan, but you're in New York City. Are you seeing ads for Joker and bike and 1520, uh, Fridge No More, Gorillas? Uh, you know, the gorillas a lot, especially in Williamsburg. Kind of like I think Gorillas kind of have that little section there. I think I've seen some stuff in Park Slope. These are really high-income areas in Brooklyn. So, yes, it's a perfect situation for dense uh, high income neighborhoods that can facilitate this, and everything is is true. Yeah, you want you want it fast. Uh, it's going to probably be cheap because in terms of the person they have to pay to, to get this to you, it's 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 all those things. But it's capitalism, like that's what it's 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 fulfilling a need. If it wasn't, then the companies would not be in business. Um, a lot of people don't want to shop. A lot of people are busy, especially if you're living in New York. You're living in these um, high income areas. The rent, the average rent in Brooklyn is about twenty five to three thousand dollars. So that person has to be working all the time. So when they come home, they want their groceries, right? But they didn't have time to shop, so it's going to come. And I think the companies are trying to make it as quick as possible. Just the idea, like, are they hit, actually hitting 10, 15 minutes? I don't know. I haven't. I, I, I haven't ordered one before. I should. But they want to compete and say, hey, listen, as soon as you get home, get a long day of work and you want to maybe get a few things, but you don't want to wait too long. You know, Gorillas has got you. So it's a, it's a fill in the need. Uh, you could criticize why someone decided not to go to the grocery store during a weekday when they worked a couple hours already. They already worked. They don't want to be bothered. So uh, it's going to work. It, it, I think, again, it has to be New York, L.A. I don't see like in your neighborhood. I don't know if that's going to be possible. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and certainly not by, you know, e-scooter or bike delivery. I kind of wanted to do like what Nugs did where he did a 
DoorDash route on the e-scooter, but I'd have to like go to downtown Orlando to do that. You know, there's, yeah. that's where it's like remotely dense enough to do it. I don't mm. even know how Nugs did it in suburban Ohio, but it was um, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting back to the Vice story is, I, I agree with you. I mean, they they wouldn't just start these companies if there was no demand for it. You know, I mean, I guess they're trying to create demand, but. Yeah. You know, it, there's definitely going to be a shakeup over the next couple of years. I can't imagine that all of these companies are going to, you know, and, they're probably going to merge. One's going to buy out the other. Some will just fold. Instacart might buy them up. Amazon might yeah. buy them up. Yeah, I think so. Definitely, I think. And and it, and the companies fit the culture of the area. So that mm-hmm. 15, 20 minute thing that some people think is ridiculous. A lot of, a lot of the people who live in these um, apartments. A lot of these apartments were structured to be kind of what they call luxury apartments, where you have the gym, you have a dog boarding place for you. Like they don't want you to leave the building; they want everything. To, they, they're going to cater to you. They got everything for you. They even have movie theaters in some of these buildings, so it, it it kind of fits that they want them to spend their money here and not ever leave. So yeah. I think that's what these companies are facilitating. Cool. All right, we got one last break, and we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Mike Biseglia from the Mike Delivers Podcast. Check me out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm an Uber Eats delivery driver, and what I do is I talk about my stories from the road, picking up food, dropping it off, guys coming out in their underwear, people coming out in their shower robe. If you're a gig economy driver, you know what it's been like. You know the deal. You know how it is out there on the road. So I love to give my stories and my perspective. Check it on out. It's the Mike Delivers Podcast. Get it wherever pods are found. That's right. Get it wherever. (laughs) I spilled water on me. (laughs) It's fine. Of course, if you're listening on the audio podcast, you can't see that. But if you would tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m., you can see me spill water on my shirt. <laughs> By the way, the auto podcast is uh, starting to get some traction, which is nice. And I finally, finally got GigTube.com taken care of. I officially own the domain now. Now I just have to build the website. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, I saw that, saw that a couple of days ago. Yeah. All right. We only got three stories left, and they're all pretty light. No uh, racial or... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's economic debate on this one. Um, this one's kind of interesting. So this is from uh, Newsweek. Work for Amazon or Uber? This electric vehicle startup wants to make your next car. In an ever-growing and competitive electric vehicle market, most startups are targeting the luxury market first with progressively declining price points as they sell more units. But Indigo Technologies is taking the opposite approach, seeking to undercut the competition and defining their market for those who use their cars as a daily income source. Based out of Massachusetts, the company is working to bring two vehicles to market over the next five years. They're intended primarily for gig economy workers. They intend to make cars that are for the Uber driver and Amazon flex worker, the Instacart shopper, and everything in between. The company's one-seater, dubbed Project Alpha, has 58.3 cubic feet of cargo space and is intended to get somewhere between 150 and 250 miles of range on a single charge. Now, there's a picture of the car, and it's basically... It's basically a glorified go kart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely how, looks futuristic. How are you going to get really big batches and put in that thing? That 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 was exactly what I thought. I'm like, this is only good for like DoorDash, yeah, for food Eats. delivery. Yeah, that would yeah, be perfect yeah. for food delivery or Parking. really really small Instacart or something. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not you're not doing you're not going to you're not going to Costco or BJ's or Publix yeah. or I mean, one of those big box. Pl- you're not because you can't fit anything in there. 
So they, they plan to release Project Alpha sometime in 2023 with a target price of $19,500. And they have a four-door cousin, Project Bravo, um, uh, was slated for 2024 at 23500 But I don't know. That is, that's, that's a little out of my price range, unless I was getting it for free. Like if I, if yeah, I had a free... Yeah, if it, was a little, if it was a little cheaper, it would be more of attractive. I, I would pay, like, see, actually, it looks pretty small. It looks, you know, if it's like a smart car, like as far as like the length. How much is, do you know how much off the top of your head, how much a smart car costs? It's about, yeah, it's about 20 grand. It's yeah, it's, it's like almost like the grand. same price as like a Honda Fit. So I'd I mean, rather like, get the Honda Fig, probably yeah. get it cheaper. Use, I don't know. It's a good yeah. idea. I'm not going to knock the idea, mm-hmm. but the price point always seems to be something that, you know. It needs yeah. to be competitive to other cars on the market. Yeah, and I just don't see. I mean, it's nice that it's electric, so you're not going to spend gas money, but still, spending almost twenty grand, and that's that's like pre-tax and all that stuff. Like, uh, I mean, you probably would get like some kind of tax write-off, or especially in California or something. But, yeah, electric vehicle, but like it didn't. It's only for work. So, like, if you're going yeah. out, where are you going? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Your girlfriend yeah. can sit on your lap, I guess. So. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Jesus. I want to see what the four door looks like. They don't have a picture of it. Mm. I mean, if they came to me like as like a test researcher or something, and like trying to sell this car on me, it'd be like, um, I, for me, it would only be good for like grub dash eats and really really small Instacart orders. And there is a time when I went, I you know, party city orders. I'm not sure you have a party city where you are, but uh, you know balloons and stuff i remember going picking up a doordash order big giant balloons that those balloons would not, barely fit in my car would not <laughs> fit in that that little thing in there so even yeah. like certain odd odds and ends like that uh was it doordash i was upset doordash uh, driver was upset about a big screen tv that they had to deliver oh uh, yeah we did it a few weeks ago 65 yeah. inch or like yeah that that's not going in there either yeah um yeah i mean I, I know they would never in a million years do this, but if they said, how much would you pay for this? Be like, you know, honestly, I'd give you like five grand for it. <laughs> and even that, even that's being generous. Like, I, I really don't need it that bad. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's, it's like a, it's a go-kart that's street legal. Basically. Or, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. We'll come back to that in a few years. <laughs> All right. We just got a couple more stories. We got our weekly, um, um, TikTok video. So, DoorDash delivery person gets requested by a customer to knock like they're the cops. Um, so I'm just gonna. It's only a six second video. I don't know if Hannibal saw this before, but so here you go. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's she it. Was, she was very happy of doing that. Like, she, yeah. like she actually, like, I, she, I was, I appreciated how happy she looked doing that. Like any silly dumb request, like I wouldn't do it myself. But you know, that video got almost a million views. I don't. I mean, it's funny, but it's not like I'd be like forwarding this to everybody. I know, like, oh my god, you gotta watch this. I'm just like, yeah, that's cute. It's next. The, you know what? These algorithms, we can't explain it. 
yeah. TikTok or YouTube, they push things that we like. That was there. Yeah, that was okay, but not like I gotta go tell someone about. It. No. Well, at least it didn't it. have any copyrighted music on it. Uh, you know what? Last week with the <laughs> uh, the oh no, oh no, that our video, my video, got flagged, and so I had to cut that part out. So um, if you watched last week's gig news. Um, there's a whole section just missing, or like yeah. at the end, because I had to cut out the copyrighted music. Yeah, um, sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. So from now on, if anything, I mean, if we play TikToks with that song, or you know, any whatever the pop song of the day is, um, actually, I noticed if I play it through Streamyard, only you and I can hear the audio, but the audience can't, which is good because then the algorithm can't hear it either. <laughs> so. Um, that's what we'll have to do if there's a copyrighted music. Anyway, let's let's get to our last story here. Wow, we're going on 80 minutes. Lyft and Tinder want to make a great first impression. This is straight from Lyft.com. Your dating game might be a little rusty after spending the past year and a half in quarantine. But as you get back in the groove, let your dating life heat up again. To help make an unforgettable first impression, Lyft and Tinder have come together on a new Lyft feature that allows Tinder users to send their date a Lyft ride. Starting today, I don't know when this was, but um, users will be able to access Tinder's new Explore Hub and purchase a Lyft credit for their match. The seamlessly integrated feature encourages thoughtful gestures for those ready to get back out there and meet someone new. Tinder users can go to the Explore Hub and purchase and share a Lyft ride credit with their match. To send a ride credit, follow these steps. So it's just a bunch of screenshots on how to do it and like how to send it and then how to accept it. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think it's like five years late. Like, why didn't they come up with this a long time ago? Yeah, you know, they they, they finally got it right. Or at least that's a pretty nice uh, gesture. You start the date in a, on a good footing. That you know, you pay the, uh, the you know. And I'm a I'm a I'm an old fashioned person. You know, I believe that whoever initiated the date should pay for the date. Usually, who initiates the date is well nowadays. You know, it's all over the place. But in terms of <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like yeah, Chad, you initiated a date with a you know young woman. You should pay for the ride, and I think it's a good start. Yeah, but what if she lives like 20, 30 <laughs> miles away? That's like a, especially with Uber and Lyft rates as high as they are now. Well, you really like, want I don't to... know. Is, is that's like you a. Picking... You going to pick her up? And it's also, that's only one way, too. Like, are, are you taking them? <laughs> and it's also like, this is just one more reason for um, people to kind of catfish or. Um, a, a, a form of gold digging of to just like pretend you're because it doesn't actually send you're not actually sending a lift from point a to point b to go pick up this person you're just yeah. giving your date a credit and then they can use that money towards a ride to your date in back or whatever yeah i could so see, I they could just point, yeah. they're just going to take your money and run you know they could yes yeah, that's, that's you know, possible they, no it's you know that would happen to me <laughs> <laughs> It probably would. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think it's a good idea. I think it's way overdue. I'm I'm surprised they're just now um, offering this feature. I don't know how many people are going to use it, but it's it's interesting. We'll we'll see. We'll see. So anyway, you know, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Did you watch the new uh, Dave Chappelle special? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What did you think? (laughs) I was laughing the entire time. Me, Me and my wife was watching it. We loved it. Really, he was pushing it. I will say that he was, he was like, what do you say? It was his last special for a while, and he was. And in, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, obviously online people, people complained about it. 
And I know the people who complain about it didn't watch the entire thing. Yeah. Eric, if I you thought watched it was... the entire thing, it, you would understand why he's, he, he, the, the, yeah. the special was structured that way. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was his best special. The last one I thought was yeah. way better. Mm. Um, this one, it came off kind of preachy to me. And Chappelle, he seems to have a, like, a victim mentality, like that he's still always being victimized. I remember, did you see this thing from like last year when Netflix got the rights to Chappelle show? And then he was saying, don't watch it because he didn't get his 50 million or whatever he wanted for it. And then Netflix eventually paid him whatever he wanted. And now he has their blessing. And at one point he like compared it to like being a slave or something. He's like, I never got paid. I was like, it was like, I'm like, oh, come on, man. He has a lot of social issues, but he really goes after. Like he's definitely not a liberal. Like in terms of the way he was criticizing, the way um, we're just. I think he's a liberal, but not a leftist. That's a good point. Where they, he understands that, you know, one part of the one part of this structure is has jumped the shark and is kind of went insane, and he's just using comedy to kind of kind of recognize that. Like you know, let's all kind of calm down. Let's all be empathetic of each other, regardless of what you believe. You know what I mean? Like he's he's trying to bring that and understand. What you're saying in terms of being a bit preachy, because but everything is preachy now. Like, I, where's mm. where's a show that just makes you laugh? You know what I mean? Or, or you know, like it's, it's always something. Yeah, yeah. I thought that would be a good note to end on. It's kind of a a slow week, or well, nothing really juicy this week. There was a lot of stories, but nothing as juicy as a Instacart strike or. Uh, Whatever. Well, this this shark is next Saturday, so uh, will you be participating? Well, I I've only been working weekdays for la- like this, my part of my month long experiment is just Monday through Friday, nine to six. So, and so I you, have I have plans for that day anyway, so I wasn't planning on working. So but, you are part, you are participating. <laughs> well, they said it's not just a one day strike; it's starting that day, and it's until. Oh. So they're actually going to do what they what a strike should be, where you walk out and you don't go back until you oh. either your demands are met or you know you reach a compromise or whatever. We, we need to contact the the gig worker collector Willie, whatever is the one the one that talked to John ago. Have you reached out yeah. see if he's interested in talking to us? I reached out; he didn't answer my message. Um, I probably could. Um, maybe we should like wait and see. Give it like a month or so. See see what happens. Um. You mean like to bring him on the show or just for yeah, have a discussion? Talk yeah, to just yeah, talk yeah. to him like you know, like yeah, try to. He seemed like he, a, a reasonable person when he was talking. He was talking to John to go. He's been on uh, Steve uh, Johnson's Ratchet Rodeo podcast a few times. Oh, okay. So yeah, check that out. Um, yeah. So uh, tomorrow I have to bring the cats to the VET, <laughs> and it's right. It's right in the middle of the day, so I'm kind of wondering, because like I could get up early, do one or two Instacarts, and then take them, and then come back, and then finish. I don't know. I hate, I hate when I have an appointment in the middle of the day. Like whenever I have a dentist or doctor's appointment, I was trying to get it for like seven in the morning. I want to just like get it done and have the rest of the day, or like like at four o'clock, you know. Yeah, I hate, well, hate splitting up the middle of the day like that. Well, as long as you know, take care of them. You know how they don't like. I don't know a cat who doesn't like who hates who loves the vet. They all hate the vet. So, <laughs> um, so uh, let me plug something. So this coming Wednesday for the Wednesday show, I'll be talking to Brian Instacart Bulldog out of uh, Pensacola. 
And the week after that, I'll be talking to the CEO of Deliver That. I don't have a picture, sorry. Um, you have any? I know you're talking to Dasher Pass. Is that tomorrow? Yeah, that's tomorrow. And I think Wednesday, I'm talking to Rideshare Adventures. I think that's the name of the podcast. Hopefully, I got that right. And uh, you know, I got again. It's always something that's popping up. I'm sure every something else that you'll see me on. Hmm. Cool. All right, we'll be going almost 90 minutes, so which actually I think is a good runtime. We can get a lot of news in that way. But uh, if you're listening on the audio podcast, remember to check us out on YouTube. Link in the the description. Or, I mean, well, I guess if you made it this far, you don't really have much reason to go listen to the audio podcast. <laughs> but if you if this show is just too long to just sit and watch, which um, some people have said, just you can download the audio version on any podcatcher, Stitcher, Spotify. Apple iTunes or whatever it's called, Overcast, Amazon, Google, you name it, it's there. In fact, at the outro here, you'll see a list of them. So, all right. So that does it. I will be back on Wednesday and we'll be back tomorrow. And uh, we'll, both of us will be back together next Sunday, as far as I know. Yeah, man. Have a good week. All right. You too. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Chad will be back in a few days interviewing a fellow gig worker, content creator, or an industry insider to discuss the world of the gig economy. Until then, keep hustling.